I want to take a quick second and talk about how you can support our show. I believe this is the most honest way that I can connect with you, the listener, and put it in front of everyone. You can support our show for as little as 99 cents a month. We release four podcasts a month, all at an average length of about an hour. That means you are supporting us at just 25 cents an hour. That's a, that's cheaper than the dollar menu. I think it's safe to say that we provide more value than that. And if you learn anything from our content, please consider becoming a supporter today with the link in the description of any episode or on the website at feedingcuriosity.net. And with that, thanks for listening and please enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Eric here, and we're back on another episode of Feeding Curiosity. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about some pretty heavy topics, uh, mostly around uh, starting actually with addiction, and then that warps into depression, loneliness, and anxiety. And honestly, we barely scratched the surface on this one. And a few caveats here we are not doctors. We are not trained professionals to give any sort of medical advice or anything like that. We're just talking about these really important subjects um, that don't get discussed because they're kind of taboo. And uh, there's a few things we mentioned here that might upset some people, and we not that is not the intention at all. And we're just trying to talk about these really complicated subjects and try to figure out a way that we think are where areas of improvement can be found. And like one of the things I said initially in this in the uh, while we we're talking was that. Uh, certain antidepressant drugs don't have as large of an impact as other sources. And I'm not saying don't take them. They're not useful. That's not right. What I'm saying is they're not as good as they could be, is what is my, in my entire point. So just as a long you know, caveat here, that's what we're getting at here. It's going to be a long one. Uh, we barely scratch the surface, like I said. We could probably do another hour and a half to three hours on this topic. And so expect another one going forward. And... For anyone out there, yet again, if you need help with something like this, reach out. All you got to do is start a conversation and don't be afraid to talk to anyone about it because people are there and anxiety, depression, and addiction are horrible things and we don't want anyone to feel as if they can't get help because it's really important to have equal rights to everybody when it comes to something like this uh, and you're not alone. So with that, we're going to jump into the podcast, everybody. Thanks for listening. Yo, 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 hello, diggity, yo, okay. <laughs> we starting uh, a rap? Reading <laughs> Curiosity, the rap that's, band now? That's, 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 that's staying in the final cut, just saying. I think it definitely needs to be. Okay, so back basically, again. back again. Um, just tell me what the fuck, how this started, because I only saw your posts on Facebook. And there was a lot of gifts. Or about yeah. Demi, yeah, there's a bunch of fucking memes and shit going on about Demi Lovato. Yeah, and so I'll start, none of those are funny to me. None of those gifts, memes, whatever. Um, but, I can't even pay attention to them. <laughs> they're just so insensitive. But, okay, so the point, this whole thing is about addiction, and I didn't know how big this discussion was until, like, last night or the other day but apparently so did she od is that what happened yeah so she was unresponsive she was found unresponsive from an apparent hair heroin overdose okay um so i mean yeah that sucks and obviously like you know good luck to her and everything in her recovery but at least she's not you know the alternative yeah <laughs> so um but apparently there's been i didn't know this was a thing so apparently there's been a whole discussion on is addiction considered a disease or not and 
I thought it was pretty obvious that it was. Like, I never really thought of, I never really thought otherwise. And, and I say that in the sense that obviously there's some cases where, because people can be addicted to anything, right? You can Absolutely. be addicted to TV. You can be addicted to, you know, video games, whatever. And obviously, voice. yeah, <laughs> obviously in some cases it's not a disease, but a heroin addiction, I feel like, how can you say it's not? If it, then the way I classify it is if in my own mind, without any backing on scientific evidence or anything like that is like, if your life depends on whatever substance it is, yeah. then to me it's a disease. Because if you take that away from the person and they will die mm -hmm. or need some sort of life support or something, to me, that doesn't make sense why it wouldn't be classified a disease. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And people are coming up with these things like, no, they just want an excuse for people to be so feel sorry for them because it's an, a disease. And I'm like, I don't, I really don't. Well, I think that's a failing on understanding. It's a very westernized view of what we, we see addiction as. It's, it's very similar to how people view homelessness to some degree, where they see it as a failing of personal character, right. where, where they say, well, if you didn't make horrible, like X choice, Y choice, or, you know, then you wouldn't be where you're at today kind of thing. Right. And it's kind of taking the blame and putting it onto the person when there's a lot of circumstances that are out of the person's control sometimes. Because I I read um, Johan Hari's book, Lost Connections, and he wrote a book before that on um, addiction. And basically the reason people are addicted is basically because they're filling a hole for something else in their life. And what, that, what usually an addictive substance does is it, drives a dopamine response or some sort of, you know, pleasure, pleasure response. Depends on the drug. Well, you did, yeah. but the usual culprits, um, basically drive a, you know, some sort of good feeling response, which then is a reason, you know, it's the only good reason they have to live kind of as like a, from a neurological trigger point. Um, and I think this is almost like a larger, uh, systemic issue where you see people like Demi Lovato who over overdosed and we just had, um, the chef, forget his name um, that just committed suicide I'm uh, yeah i know you're talking about um anthony bourdain anthony bourdain there you go so he, he just committed suicide too and, and i think that's a it's a very interesting because by all respects these people have it made and from a public persona like they're, they're successful people they're whatever what? but yeah like successful by you know monetary monetary gains mm -hmm. but in, but in whatever their personal life they're still fighting these demons or troubles and that everyone fight, you know, not just people who are not well off. <laughs> and to say that it's their fault in any way is incorrect. Right. I think it. I think it's culturally, because I, I mean, I would agree that even before I would say, I would have thought of, you know, any sort of addiction or, or even depression as like a personal family love. Like, well, let me, all right, I'll play go, devil's go advocate. Go for it. Yeah, I'll just play devil's advocate. I'm kind of closer to you guys on this one. But for the sake of the conversation, for the sake of conversation <laughs> let's keep it interesting. <laughs> I'll play devil's advocate. So how can you say that it isn't an individual decision when the initial choice to start that drug that would turn into an addiction was a, a choice? It is. It's a, it's initial, it's, the initial choice, yes. Yeah, it's a hundred percent a choice because it's not like you're addicted. It's not like you have it's like choosing to consume caffeine addiction. or alcohol. Exactly. You don't have a dependency on said addiction before you do it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it happens after the fact. It's so, a spiral. <laughs> it's, like, it's like as if, and this is the old, the thing I go back to is people saying like, 
so obviously lung cancer is um, is something that's kind of in response to smoking cigarettes excessively, right? Right. That's agreed upon. Separate from that, lung cancer is known as a disease, correct? Correct. So what people are saying, <clears throat> in my opinion, from people who take other drugs is that lung cancer is no longer a disease if you were to smoke cigarettes. And that doesn't make any sense because it's still a disease. So just, oh, because, okay. just because the effect or the aftermath of said whatever it is you're addicted to becomes life-threatening does not <clears throat> make it no longer a disease just because it's a bad decision. Obviously, it's a bad decision. And in today's society, I don't think people are unaware that taking heroin is a bad decision. I don't think anyone's <laughs> like, you know what? Nothing's going to happen. I mean, just like smoking. Like, yeah. Just like, like smoking. People, I think most people in our age yeah. would say that smoking is not health positive. Right. And maybe <laughs> if we go back to like the 80s or the 70s when that kind of, those things were fairly new. I don't really know when heroin became more popular. I'm not aware of that. But I mean, specifically heroin, but I'm just saying like in our time, drugs are very... Like, we know about drugs, okay? We went through the D.A.R.E. program. <laughs> we have all those things. We have knowledge on it. Right? Nobody <laughs> is so ignorant that they think methamphetamine is okay. Exactly. Like, you know, this will be fine. I'll be really energetic for a while. Yeah, like, you know there's going to be an aftermath. You know there's going to be an effect. So, obviously, it's a bad choice. No one's arguing right. that fact. And I think that's what... You know, people on the other side of the fence are sticking to is that well, is it just a I'm, choice? I'm curious what, where the idea of calling it a disease or not comes from, because I think saying it's a disease makes it more mechanistic, like from a mechanical at a point, like it feels medicinal, it's right? Like it's something you can medicine treat. Is, like medicine it, is a branch of engineering, right? Branch of like it seems like something you take a pill or you take some some sort of something over the counter and it just poof goes away. We've cured this biological trigger. Right. It's but like, you it's, you can't cure. That's my point. It's mean because like what I'm trying to get at is, is it's we have to look. It's, this is like again from east versus west, like looking at things, where we see issues. We see issues in the form of like this is a group of things that can be solved with one solution. Whereas what I'm trying to say is, is that you wind up getting a cultural reasoning behind it like it's like ptsd from soldiers who come back home and why they can get become addicted really quickly right ed's here I'm yeah we have, a, we, can, we have a <laughs> who's that we have a surprise uh, guest i don't know what that's i don't know what that's we'll be saying louis and his name is turned to fuck boy <laughs> what a story <laughs> that was a very intimate um, story to keep that in <laughs> you know, super happy I just found out about that one. Um, I guess I good thing I'm getting my new driver's license. I know. If you want to change today, we're doing a podcast on addiction, so Ooh. interesting topic. Ooh. Yeah, it's a, it's a hot take, and I didn't realize how hot of a take it was. I wouldn't have expected. I saw how many comments were on that post, and I was Did like, "Did you do this on purpose, then?" Uh, build off. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a penis pump. It kind of looks like. Come on. We don't have a recording right it's now. It's tell. <laughs> Hold on. I'm only four and a half. <laughs> 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 God. 
<laughs> well, since we derailed this podcast, people are going to be a little confused about what that meant without the visual. I know, <laughs> but it's okay. <sighs> I don't care. You need to yeah. cut that out. No. <laughs> no. 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 Okay. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to roll a dildo and penis pump. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, yeah, we're no longer That's talking me. about addiction here, guys. We are now selling penis pumps. <laughs> For context, it's a pump to fill up a basketball. There you go. It looks like a heroin needle. And then the jokes. <laughs> I, Visual that's what I would hit as addiction when I walk in and Jordan goes straight for dildo. Addict. Who are you? Shit. <laughs> oh, God. I met a few women like that in my okay. day. Okay. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. And a one, two, three. Introduce yourself, Ben. <laughs> this is Ben, guys. Uh, hi, I'm Ben, uh, a.k.a. Fuckboy from the St. Louis, who is currently holding a Jordan approved response to TM Jordan Martin. Oh god. Oh man. Okay. Alright, so addiction. Well, you're saying one's also. I said something about PTSD and how a soldier who can come back and have PTSD and get into basically the throes of addiction without even realizing it. Yeah. Alright. The disease issue. And just like the East versus West ideology of looking at... What about the East versus West? Well, because the East looks at more community-based and like being able to like... So how does that... Okay, so being able to that translate to... Being able to foster like a community, like like having a like tribal group. I guess one of the best... Does what? Like gives you a support group, basically. A support network to be able to leverage... The, the hole that is left in a westernized, mechani- mechanized society of why we feel the need to look to abuse substances. So, so one of the what, big studies... One of the big what studies, about the community project so one of the enables big studies, people to avoid addiction? Right, that's part of the... That's, where the that's new, the question. That's where, that's where the new science is coming in, basically. And it, it's not a solved question yet, but basically one of the big... Well, stu- what do you think? Well, one of the big studies they just did is they did Rat Park. And so what they did is they took rats and put them in a cage... And then they gave them a choice between like food and cocaine. And ones that were put in a cage by themselves chose cocaine every time. And then they did the same study and put rats in basically a like a group setting in, in like an open area they could mingle and do everything. Did the same thing. Could you have food or could you have cocaine? And in that situation where they could socialize normally, they did not go for cocaine at all. Were they given cocaine like prior to that? No. It was just like gave them the choice that you could have eat normal food or you could have like water, like a food laced with cocaine. And mm-hmm. in the situation that they can socialize naturally with other rats, basically the idea is that, to right. sum up, it's a socialization period of when you can be with other people of your same species, it fills a hole from loneliness, which can in turn lead to an addiction slash depression. Well, yeah, that, that's basically the whole thing for community where it comes from a drug addiction kind of thing is... You know, it's not like a whole community needs to band together and say, oh, let's stop addiction or anything. It's you need to take notice of the people that kind of are isolating themselves is because it's it is the loneliness and everything that comes with loneliness. You know, you you could be a very happy go lucky guy, but all of a sudden, you know, the second that you just start feeling alone and it's the repeated I'm alone, I'm alone, I'm alone, you're going to start to look towards other things to kind of fill that void of enjoyment. And typically people who are alone are the ones that are going to do that more. So in a community's background, it's more just 
kind of looking out for one another. You know, you see mm-hmm. that guy eating at a table alone. Take two seconds out of your day, have a conversation with him, and all of a sudden that, that person's mood could swing for the fences on a home run, and now they're right. having a good day. And they don't need to go home and resort yeah. to any you know, extra activity. Yeah. Right. I it's think really interesting because there's um, – there's yeah, do you know, there's a there's really like poor definition. Yeah, so well, I have a handful of things I could talk to you about this, but one of which that talks that relates directly to what Ben was talking about is that happiness, though I think it's really poorly defined and we don't really understand it exactly. Yeah, but what it seems to come down to in our not in our very rough definition is extroversion, and I think it's like low neuroticism so it's like a low degree of reactivity to bad situations yeah. with a high amount of social interaction is, is, is so when you're talking about loneliness you, there's some psychological literature to suggest that being more connected with more yeah. people around you define you increases the amount of right increases, <laughs> let me finish the thought increases the amount of happiness that you have neuroticism is a In this term. is a technical term that basically means the degree to which you feel negative emotion. Yes, it differentiates into two parts. One part is um, volatility, so that's your reactivity to something. To so it's like something bad happens and you freak out. Yes. Or not freak out, or you're very calm. Or um, volatility and withdrawal. Withdrawal is anticipatory anxiety. Yeah. So it's something bad might happen, so and I'm not going to right, retreating into yourself. Yeah, so to build on some of this stuff, since I spent a <laughs> surprising amount of time thinking about it, and um, one of the best books about it is Sebastian Younger's Tribe. So his, his book was based around looking at how people in warlike situations, not even like war fighters themselves, but just people in war situations. So looking at World War II, for example, they would find communities that the entire like city area that these people lived and grew up on got bombed, but they survived the initial you know, aftermath, and then they had to band together as a community. And so what it winds up doing is it wipes away everything that Western society does. So if you think about it, how many of us know our neighbors that are directly next to us? And you can have a conversation, you have them over for dinner. I know for a fact, I've never had that in the last 10 years or however long I've lived here as a ballpark. And on top of that, you, you rewrite the, the social order of things. So the, the people you're most likely to associate with, at least in modern society, are the people you work with or closest friends. But beyond that, like in our typical community, say in our like little town suburb, we don't know anyone, really. So that like that first level of defense of like feeling welcome, like people don't walk around around where we live. And you don't like people look at you like with a weird eye. Like when we were little kids in like high school or junior high, they're like, these little kids are, you know, causing a ruckus. <laughs> and so when you when you don't have that first layer of like <laughs> like uh, like having a community to fall back on you, like you just feel like you're always being like like watched like you, you've had those like cop cars that would come up and like, why are you guys at the park you're not doing anything wrong but there's like that that layer of like feeling connected is not there and so that's where they like being in warfighter so joe you probably recognize this but being in the military when you when you go into a tight-knit situation, you you literally eat, sleep, and work with the same group of people. And at the end of the day, if you're in a war situation, the person to your left and to your right are going to be there when you get, like, when shit hits the fan. 
And so when you leave and try to reintegrate into Western society where the person next to you don't exist, you know, like your family is like work eight hours a day, 40 hours a week. You don't, you're like that entire like tight knit close community just poofs into the wind. And so that leaves a void that is very different. So then you can then turn to uh, addiction very easily. So go for it. I was going to say to me, that's just different. Um, like levels of dependency. So, you know, you talk about the war fighters and their dependency relies on the people around them. Right. And maybe that's healthy because like you're depending on people and, you know, they have your back and there's really nothing unhealthy about that if you think about it. But no. now if you abruptly move all that, remove that from, you know, from their community or whatever. Yeah. And then they find I someone to fill that void. That's what tribe. it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you remove that and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, no, they don't have that. They need something else to fill that gap that was once there. Right. And maybe they fill it with, you know, some people fill it with working out. Some people fill it with music. Some people fill it with, you know, drugs. Right. Um, so to me, I guess where the issue comes is <coughs> you can view it as an addiction on dependency. Now we're going to label that as a disease. That specifically, I will say no. Absolutely not. That's not a disease. No. Being addicted to dependency. Now we talk about like loneliness and stuff like that. These celebrities and I mean, not just recent, but <laughs> in all of the paradox. that we can remember history <laughs> of celebrities, you know, abusing drugs and stuff like that. Would you say that they're lonely? I don't know if I'd say they're lonely, like literally. Literally. So when you're saying literally, it is literally no, they are not yeah, alone. Yeah, that's, yeah. But, you know, obviously one of my favorite artists, Andrew McMahon, one of my favorite songs by him, Dark Blue, one of my most favorite lyrics by him is in that song, Have You Ever Been Alone in a Crowded Room? Just because you are surrounded by said people oh, I, <laughs> doesn't necessarily mean that you aren't alone. Us, we're, we're together right now. We're not alone, but we've also had this connection and this real relationship throughout almost our entire lives. Right. So when we're together, we're never going to feel alone. But I could go and sit and commute next to the same person for four years of my life every fucking day. If we sparked up a conversation, I could still feel alone. Although I've known this person for four, four years, I'm commuting with them every day still be alone and when it comes to these celebrity you know types like that's an area that i obviously can't comment on because i am no celebrity <laughs> but speak for oh. yourself <laughs> <laughs> i did that's why i said me <laughs> okay chris <laughs> um but no so like yeah they they could be surrounded by other celebrities and other people that you know are well known by everybody and you could still feel alone because at what point is that like some celebrity relationships are true relationships other ones are just fronted relationships for hollywood and for media like we with the celebrities and with a lot of things recently coming out of the woodwork you know especially with the whole me too movement how many disney is a huge one of it for all the Disney shows that we grew up with. 
a lot of those celebrities that were our, our age, you know, that were 16, 17, you know, back when we were in high school, you know, like Hannah Montana was out, That's So Raven, like all, all those shows, how many of them have come out saying that they were sexually abused? And now when you bring in that level of trauma to somebody and you still surround them with people, but those people haven't gone through that kind of a situation in their life, they're going to feel alone because they don't, they still don't feel comfortable. They can't really talk about it. And mm -hmm. the, the sad thing with society today is the people who do talk about it all of a sudden kind of get like this negative look at them. Not by everybody, obviously, you know, none of us are looking at anybody negative for ever being sexually abused, but in the Hollywood industry, some people are, losing movies and TV shows and scripts because they're coming out with, I was abused. Mm -hmm. So with the celebrity type, it's kind of hard to say, are they alone or are they not? They can be surrounded by hundreds of people, but they can still feel alone because right. how comfortable are they? They can they're isolated and preyed upon. It, it, well, it's yeah. isolated in the sense that like, you don't know if the relationship is genuine, right? Yeah. Cause if you, cause you, they're, they're at which position. relationship. Well, because like if you have someone come up to you and you're someone, with oh, some okay. sort of I, for a second there, I thought. Let me clarify. So for a second there, I thought you meant the relationship between them and the abuser. No, no, no. And I was like, no. well, no. No. genuine. Well, 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 genuine? Well, well, the sad thing with today's society as well is how you many are actual genuine. How many people are were actually point, yeah. sexually abused, or how many people are looking to, you, to make a profit off of it? I mean, how many times do you hear ooh, stories of people so getting like on Instagram when people you know quote unquote slide in the DMs? Yeah, and they're you know they're just some person who puts videos or something up and they're just there trying to you know score something out of them yeah and they're there as a convenience and, and, and that's what sucks like god forbid for anyone who has ever gone through anything like that you know it's it's a terrible thing but there are a few people out there that haven't gone through that but say that they have to gain something out of it right and those are the people that are really shining a negative light on a very serious problem yeah i mean even to me even like lesser than something like sexual abuse and stuff like that like that's i feel like that's a whole nother yeah. issue yeah. but even lesser than that a lot of those people i mean at least that i can assume a lot of those people that they interact with it's networking and it's trying to build your brand and sometimes you have to meet someone and work with someone and hang out with someone to build yourself and it's not right. really a relationship outside of that and there's nothing wrong with that because well, that's, that's, that's take. yeah <laughs> it's not even i wouldn't even say it's a gamble because like it's even outside of celebrity right. you have to do that you have to know people you know what i mean like when you go to school you it really helps to like get in good with the professor you know get involved with certain um groups and stuff like that so i don't you can still in those instances, say someone never had to deal with sexual abuse yeah. and say they're one of the most famous people in the world, whatever, they can still feel alone. <laughs> right. They can still feel alone because it's like, yeah, I know a lot of people and I have a lot of people I can reach out to and talk to and they're like, yeah, that's my homie and they'll support me when I release a new movie or something like that. But, but how much are that? Yeah, like are they really going to check in on me yeah is that just Stuff a networking like relationship or is it an <laughs> right. i'm an actually right. i'm caring well, about who you are well, it's really funny like not that i'm just saying it's ironic that you literally walked in the room during this because 
you've been living in St. Louis the last two to three months. Yeah. And yeah, like, gone. you've been just gone and now you just, like, you just came back like it was, and then we're just like, no big deal. Right. Like we've been friends for the last 17 years yeah. roughly. Which is so different from the type of celebrity. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's a really good just Scary quote. Friendships. But, but, but yeah, I, I do want to clarify this out there too. I didn't mean to like kind of only throw out that sexual abuse was the only thing that someone could feel isolated from like oh no right, right, right. Right. it's just a good it's just yeah, an example because Jordan's definitely right is you can build your brand every single day but right. that are those people going to have your back or not right or are they just going to have your brand and it's shitty it's, because well, yeah, the I celebrity mean, world especially like acting and these type of artist things you're not music you're music. not just so, especially in acting even I think more so than music is that you're you're selling the image of you, mm -hmm. the symbol of you, the caricature of yourself. And that's the brand. So you have to, you yourself go sell that brand, Ooh. not just Could have a company that represents your music, your Could it be like a caricature of, your, like it's a, becoming addicted of a caricature of yourself? And it's like a person. Hold on, elaborate. Like, what do you mean being a caricature of yourself like you, because you, of addiction? Like you have to, like, you, well, no, no, not that. It's like, it's more of like, you, you spend so much time being this other, you know, putting on like a costume of who you are, right? As like an actor or like a musician, right? So it's like you hear about the stories like an act, the, the actor or the musician gets popular and then they like start doing it yeah. as a job, or, you know, they lose the passion. Quote well, I, th I think the, they become a persona. Right, yeah. They become nothing but then, and eventually a parody of themselves. Right. right. That's so what I'm saying by Kanye, fiction and stuff like that. Kanye West is a really good example mm -hmm. of that because he's a fucking brilliant artist like mm -hmm. he's really fucking good at what he does but the problem is but he he, he, he plays the so brand so hard that now if somebody wants to make a joke about somebody that is bombastic and out of there and crazy right. artist <laughs> and is the person that has gone too far he's they can himself. make a reference he's to Kanye himself, West <laughs> they can make a reference to Kanye West and that becomes the joke he can he has created the environment in which he is the butt of his own joke. Do you like fish sticks? Right? Because he can have that. Exactly. The South Park reference. Yeah, he, yes. He's such an ass that, that now it's really fucking easy to make fun of him. That you play that character so fucking hard and you push that line so hard and you want to make that caricature and you want to make that brand you, you, be the thing people it. recognize, that that's all people recognize. Right. And now it's fucking funny. You, you, right. got, you guys are missing the biggest prime example of somebody who played a part so goddamn well, and it can tie into this whole addiction oh, thing right here. It just clicked. Go, Heath Ledger. Yep, he played his part so well. That's like the, the he, that's the he, pinnacle. It, right? yes, it's like it, the flip side. It, yeah, it, it was the most like, speeded progress of a play a persona so well that it tore apart his own mental stability. He wasn't that playing he to himself. He's yeah. playing a different thing. Like, that's right, why it's that's slightly he, different. He became, no, well, well, no, so... so he became well, the part... Uh, yeah, it's what, like what the same gonna, mechanism in a different avenue. Right. Like that. What, what it's what method acting taken to the extreme. So so it's not just him playing that role. How I'm gonna it's him becoming the role. <laughs> no, so, so it's how Wendell said, you know, you're going to build your brand, so you're going to act a certain way to build your brand. No, yes, Heath Ledger wasn't playing himself. He was playing the Joker. But just think about anybody. But that was his job. Just that think point. about anybody who's going to work that hard to be that persona that they know they have to be right now. And the kind of the effects it could have on that mental stability. Heath Ledger was obviously a very speeded, uh, catastrophic fucking mishap right. with uh, playing a part. 
puts one out not, not just a comic book character or a movie character or anything. Be yourself, and then you know that being this person is going to bring you up to a higher level. Now imagine spending your all your time just trying to be that person instead of coming back to yourself every now and again. Mm-hmm. You're going to throw that mental just fuckery into yourself, yeah. and it's going to lead you to want to do something to ease the pain of who right. am I? Yeah. It definitely fucks with someone's head. And I feel like that's why I feel like it's more dangerous for musicians, especially like celebrity musicians, not just musicians who literally are just known for music. Right. I'm talking about celebrity musicians who are like icon status because they don't have anyone to escape to such as actors. Cause actors have to play this like, okay, I'm this person for six months out of the year, but then I can retreat from it. And I know I that's... I go do a new part. Right. Go back but musicians it. like Kanye West have to be <clears throat> Kanye West every day. They don't have someone to retreat to. So, I mean, that's a little... I mean, that's kind of going down the rabbit hole there and we can... I think it's... It looks... I, hmm, I agree to some extent, but it looks to me that the more you pursue becoming that brand whatever place you're in it looks to me that the musician becomes the brand of themselves where the artist or the or not the artist excuse me the the Person. actor yeah. has to become the brand well yeah it, it's like a weird the, morphing um, well not necessarily either so you might say that the artist the the actor becomes the brand of the character they're playing but they can also in the case of like someone like the rock not that i think he's gone too far would be playing his brand and then his brand becomes the parts that he plays. But mm-hmm. Not good to say. it seems to me that the second that your aim, your sole aim becomes not to be the genuine self. Right. That's what but I instead to is to play whatever part it is in order to whatever acquire your... Right, what, play the persona that then enables in your mind the creation of this brand, this Ooh. image, that's when you're so fucked. Then, that's your fucked immediately. So then, because you have to sacrifice, you literally have to sacrifice yourself in order to produce what is essentially a shallower thing that is only designed f- to market a brand to an accessible right. amount. And you can turn that back. So you now take that back to how you basically destroying the idea of any sort of addiction or mental, um, I guess, instability I'm not really sure what the word there but basically how it's not a disease then right because you're because it's something that's not curable in a sense of it's a slow iterative process it's not something that you you know well there it's like one step well, close mm-hmm. so one I would say there are how would you what's the technical term terminal diseases right yeah and just because they're terminal doesn't make it not a disease right but there are also let me get right to the point. Yeah. There are, it looks to me that the disease of addiction isn't a, di- in the disease of addiction, addiction isn't the disease. There you go. The, the disease <laughs> is something that is beneath it. That, like Ben mentioned, is something like loneliness. And that there's a disease of loneliness and that addiction is a self-medication for that loneliness. What would and I was just reading Viktor Frankl. So he wrote a book called oh, Man's so Search for Meaning. Yes, it's a very he was good a book. psychiatrist, 
who was taken by the Nazis. He's he was Jewish, in Auschwitz, right? In Auschwitz and in Dachau after or oh. Dachau afterward. And he believed he created a thing called logotherapy, which was a form of therapy that was birthed from the axiom that man's primary goal was to find a meaning or purpose for their life. I think and that's that a true. good way to solve that problem or any psychological problem, this is almost any psychological problem, was to find a meaning for the thing in which they're doing. And he thought that addiction, he, there's a technical term called existential, the existential vacuum. It's like, I have a meaning in my life that exists. Maybe it's pursuing celebrity or great artistry, right? Maybe you're Kanye West, the young Kanye, who wants to be the best rapper of all time to go down the fucking history books of lyricists and producers and creative, creative individuals that could last the test of time. And then he makes it. And now suddenly the thing that was your fundamental purpose, your fundamental meaning for being is now already achieved. <laughs> right. And in its achievement, it disappears because you've already got it. So now there's a vacuum that exists within your psyche of things that you need to pursue. So something has to take its place. And what ends up happening that, well, what Frankel thought ends up happening a lot is addiction circles around the vacuum that there's something that has to take its place. And it makes sense because, for example, cocaine operates on the serotonergic circuitry. So the part of your brain that uses serotonin is the same part that triggers the part in you that recognizes that you're making progress. That's why cocaine pe people, when they're on coke, are like, oh, fuck yeah, we're going to start a business, we're going to do this, we're going to do all this crazy <laughs> shit. It's because there's a part of their brain that's actually telling them that they're accomplishing things. And they're using that in place of a genuine meaning. They're manufacturing meaning in their life using mm -hmm. cocaine. So what Frankel would say is that things like addiction, whatever it is, he even he talked about yeah. how he explicitly talked about how um, sexual promiscuity is a one big one that ends up it's evolving like around it revolves around the existential vacuum because oh, okay. it feels like you're you're like oh well, my numbers are going up or i'm getting into more intimate relationships or this is meaningful this is purposeful in my life but all that it might really be is just shallow dates and the occasional right. like fucking up and uglies together or, shit. or it's the satis satisfaction that people that someone likes you right right i mean think of right tinder absolutely Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's concrete. It's concrete and knowable. It's not just like, I think they like me. Like, they're a cool person. We get along, but maybe they're full of shit. Maybe it's all a lie, blah, blah, blah. It's, we fucked. If that's your goal, if that's your goal for understanding <laughs> whether or not people like you, then that's pretty simple. That's pretty straightforward. You're not going to confuse that. You're not going to be like, yeah, I'm not really sure. Didn't we fuck? <laughs> you can't really, you can't really like, well... If you're drinking. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you just alcohol in that situation. As wake up in the morning you're and you're like, wait, did we fuck? Like, I don't know, but I'm going to count this out as a win. Good <laughs> challenge <laughs> 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 
I'm gonna make you question if we fucked tonight. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> Bet it's a win. Bam! Check mark in his journal tomorrow. <laughs> to the point is that there's all there's this lack of meaning in the individual's life that creates a vacuum that needs to be filled in order to bear the inherent suffering of existence. So to bear that challenge of living. People create, they manufacture meaning to combat their suffering. Yes. So what it looks like to me with celebrities is that a lot of the times is that they get the thing that they wanted. That so many fucking people strive for. So many people in the world want success. I mean, in general. like you're They want the money. They want recognition, recognition status. They get it. And then they go, oh, well, I, no, what the fuck yeah. do I do now? And then they have this vacuum and they don't know what to do and they can't rely on friends necessarily because they're in a world that is designed to play off of their brand, not their person. Mm -hmm. And they're fucked. And they just, they, especially with heroin, what it looks like to me. So in the case of Demi Lovato is that heroin isn't a stimulant. It isn't a thing that's like, oh, fuck yeah, look at all these things that I'm doing. Yeah. What is it? What it is instead is a returning to unconsciousness. Oh, is it? I no longer want to deal with the nature of reality. It's. it's I would a, rather it's be in pain. my blissful ignorance. Yeah. Well, it's numbing. Yeah. I don't feel anything. Right. That's right. what I'm saying. You, you want to? You, you're trying to use it as a blanket, like a safety blanket for your brain. It's because, a, because you can't deal with the stress of what your life is missing because in your constant waking focus, you're just like. What the fuck am I? Like, it's nothing but anxiety. Yeah, you're just crying because out. Because you're constantly aware of the position that you're in. <laughs> you're constantly. It's hyper awareness of what you don't have. Becker talked about this too. Ernst Becker talked about this in uh, the birth and death of meaning. You need to send me these books so I can put Absolutely. <laughs> he talked about how the infant, that the primary exam, the primary precondition for existence was anxiety. Okay, that, yeah. that upon entrance into the world, the only way in which you can gain anything or deal with the anxieties, I'm hungry. Right. I need oh attention. I need holding. I, whatever. Yeah. Any list of things. It was only through outbursts and then the attention of the mother. So the maternal relationship is mm -hmm. like the foundational relationship that exists. And that that relationship exists in order to act as a buffer against anxiety from right. the infant, right? But as you grow more complex, you need more complex need larger buffers network, against anxiety because yeah. you're more aware of more things. And that more intricate awareness requires more intricate things to combat it. Right. But what, so what heroin looks like to me is instead of moving forward and finding a meaning that is intricate enough to combat that natural, to combat that, that anxiety is a retreat back into unconsciousness, to infant level yeah. status of, I don't have any anxieties. Mm -hmm. There are no things that I need to deal with. I am only in this flow of this blissful gliding. I mean, it's almost similar to like the idea of like the guy who is an alcoholic and basically passes out every night from drinking too much. It's kind of the same thing because because it's, it's a numbing of it's a right it of is a the numbing of that whole <laughs> so, it's a depressant 
Literally. Yeah, like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so to me, like, what all of this sounds like, so the way I see it is when you look at these underlying issues, so, right, anxiety, depression, which then leads into addiction and loneliness and other similar psychological states or frameworks kind of tied to emotion, but it's too complex to describe, so I'm going to stay away from that. Um, what it seems like to me is is we've got, like, modern society is, a, as, I'm going to get real general here, so I might lose people, but what it seems like is modern society has lost what it means to be tribe humanity. And so what that means is if you take us all the way back to when we first started grouping up as tribes, you know, you had probably like up to a great grandparent and that was your elder, you know, be it shaman or whatever. And they would pass down knowledge and you'd have, you know, a group. So then you'd have a group that would pass knowledge along and the guys would have hunters and basically the entire structure of your world was a network of relationships that were pro pretty closely related to you, you know? And so you, so whenever you were never alone, you know, you slept together with your family, you know, in a grass hut or something that, within arm's reach of each other, you know? And, and what the juxtaposition of that in, in modern society is what? We all sleep in our separate beds. Uh, we all work eight hours a day, have no contact with our closest relatives or close friends, maybe, you know, rarely, because of how fast-paced life is now today. And then you wind up getting alone and you take a job you hate because you just need to pay bills at some point, unless you're lucky and you escape it and you know, build your own job that doesn't fit a mold, but that's a whole different ramble. <laughs> but like you wind up having this, this society where you've segregated yourself in, in to fit the goals of a society that has disjointed itself from what it means to be like happy, like to be functioning basically properly. So I've been thinking about that recently, actually. I and, spend a lot of time thinking about this. Right. And <laughs> got, you two both have been, Joe and Wanzo have been, um, I brought that up several times, like the tribal, right. you know, the notion of that. And I've been thinking, I'm like, now, the fact that people have generally, like, grown away from that, is that necessarily an issue? Or the way I view it, personally, I'll just get to the chase. Please go for it. The way I view it is it was necessary because to chase knowledge, you have to get out of what's comfortable. So you can't, if, if, People were to always have stayed so contained like in, their, in their tribe, they wouldn't have learned anything outside of what they were used to. Right. And that's why I think Fair. it was necessary. And I don't I don't necessarily believe everything that is wrong with society is because we've gotten away from that. I think it's because we're not to our potential of what it should be, if that makes sense. So I feel like we're still growing <laughs> in the growth of well, community. Yeah, I'll let you. No, no, let no, just, no, yeah. no, you finish. Um, yeah, I know what I'm saying. Um, after. I feel like the growth of community, I'll just wrap up quick. The growth of community is um, still in its infancy. No, yeah. yeah, yeah I like that. Yeah. That was good. I got more to say <laughs> to, 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 to expand off of it, but I want you to go. But, but so how, how Jordan uh, made the point that you do need to get away from something to feel comfortable. And Wesley, you've been all about this tribe thing all night. And how it seemed that basically with that tribe community, people were living better. But at the same time, to grow even better than that is Jordan's point of you have to branch away from that. Now, I think 
we've branched too far from the tribe um, in the sense that we are all trying to be way too independent for ourselves. Yes, pull you up by your bootstraps. And, and I'm going to make this as simple as I possibly can from what I'm trying to, as what's going through my head right now is, do you know why the tribe was living a super comfortable and easy life? What were, to tie in the whole, what's my meaning and what's my purpose in life? That tribe, what was their main goal and Survival, purpose and meaning period. of life? It wasn't to build this great government or to build this amazing thing here or, or, to, be, or, or what? to be the most amazing person at this. Their main purpose in life was to live. And that is it. And it wasn't even so, that. It was a survival. So they were like, comfortable. They were comfortable working together. It didn't mm -hmm. even need to be a family. They were comfortable working together because they were all working together for the their goal. main purpose right. of life. <laughs> so, I said, I want to shy away from goal. Their main purpose in life was to live. Now, that should be everybody's main purpose in life. Mm -hmm. Live. What the fuck were we put on this earth for? I'll tell you what. My main purpose in life isn't to be the best at a fucking video game. My main purpose in life is to live. Now, if you want to talk to me about what's my main goal in life, I will work my ass off towards my main goal. Mm. But very first and foremost, everyone should branch away from what's my meaning of life? What's my purpose in life? Your meaning and your purpose is to be you and to be alive. Live, survive until you are no longer alive. Yep. That so is your main purpose of life. So it's Darwinian. I, I kind of like it. Yeah, it's very. Dark. I want to. I want to. It's totally simplistic, but it makes. I mean, yeah, there's truth so to it. Yeah. Surviving. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's truth to it. There's there is a there is truth to it. Right. And so, want to say I totally agree with that. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like that is more of a. Um, I don't want to say premature, but early thought process. If that makes sense. So like, the people who came before us, and you can go back as far as you want. Right. That was their issue, mm -hmm. and thanks to them, that's <coughs> not necessarily our at the forefront of what we're doing. Yeah, like, like, so, so, so what you I want to touching on exactly what I was right. Right. Well, what, what I was <laughs> trying to get to is that how like both of you were correct. The tribe worked out so well. We all need to branch out to be independent. We need to find that happy medium. That's exactly where I was gonna go. The happy medium of, <laughs> we all need we all need that tribe like feeling to where we could all we need to modernize we, we the tribe. Can, we could all come back to each other to make sure that we are all living, that we can help each other to stay alive and stay afloat. But we need our own individuality to go out and learn, right. experience new things. And to achieve our goals. Well, here's the thing. So, you can make your own tribe with whatever you go do in the world. Yes. Because so, your interests or whatever you choose to do, you, you start finding, you know, I'm going to call it nodes, but those nodes could be people or groups or businesses that have similar thoughts or patterns that you, you connect to. So your, your identity isn't like tied to just one tribe. It was just not tied to like this one thing. It's yeah. you have something here that you connect to, something here that you connect to, something here, and then it just but at the end of the day it all comes back to, to you. Hey, we we <laughs> we need to survive. To who you, you are. You need to be good. Anything you need I will help you out with because you need to survive. I need to survive. Right. 
modernize the tribe yeah. by being an individual tribe. Well, I wasn't necessarily saying individual. I was saying that I think the tribe needs to expand. Yeah. Where the tribe was so small, I forgot the number, but there the was like a number. hundred people or so. Hundred fifty. Yeah, that's that's the I, I couldn't remember the number, but it's something <laughs> that was relatively small. That was like the complete expansion of. There might be some new evidence that the, the Dunbar's number has has rings, basically. So like it does as a gradient of how many people you can. It's like five in a close relationship. Yeah, which exactly. Is so obvious with our friend group. Yes, way. it really yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. And you can see just within our own friend group of like the overlapping circles of like who's Let close. Me, for the <laughs> yeah, go ahead. The people that, right. So Dunbar's number is 150 individuals that you can have understanding of and track their social relationship with yourself. So it's like, oh, I know 150 people. And outside of that ring of 150, they're basically just some person you fucking met on the street. You just can't, your brain cannot track that many relationships. In part because relationships are so complicated. Also, it's correlated. Dunbar's number has the number of actual people or individuals, I should say, because not necessarily humans, is correlated with the size of the neocortex. Actually, the prefrontal lobe, right? So chimps have a lower number mm -hmm. because they have a lower size in their brain, right? It's Which a is smaller the part, part of the brain, right. too. It's a logical part. It's a part that right. can keep track of all these things. So the bigger the brain, the more people you can know. So that's correlated. And then also, it seems that there are, like you were saying, levels. There are rings around how many, what, just yeah. how close you are with someone. So the closest is like five. The closest amount of people you can know where you're intimate where if you're you know there's kind of who they are as a person the secrets the things that you care about and you have real genuine trust i think the people. person you could tell like the problems you're having in your life you know kind of like getting things off your chest it's the kind of way i view it right significant other type thing well yeah like well say, yeah they'll probably well, say you have like shit you're trying that to work. should be no well, well number two number one should be mom <laughs> like something <laughs> can be like like fuck this is like really bothering me and you just you know it's just a way of like Kind of like a, a person who can like your journal almost. Yeah, it's who you trust the most. Yeah. Like who, if someone asked you, like who do you trust the most with valuable information? Who do you go to? Yeah. And that's and there's and there's in Dunbar's number, according to Dunbar's number, there's five. There's five people that your brain can manage. It doesn't necess necessarily mean that you have five. It means that there are five that your brain can keep track of. So. And for some people, I'm pointing out my beard. <laughs> yeah, Joe and Michael are like making eye contact with a serious conversation, and me and Jordan just kind of looked at our beers like, there's our fifth person. Yeah. <laughs> well, but to kind of bring us back to addiction, for some uh, people, this is a placeholder. Yeah. For them you're not that. wrong. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. You're, you're not wrong. Because when you what happens? They they retreat into their into themselves, right? And then they the placeholder of a person. You know, or relationship. You know, you know, you know, who, you know who I feel very confident inventing all my shit to hmm. is drunk me. Is <laughs> being very drunk and just this fuck like when you get really drunk, that's when you're gonna vent out your emotions the most, whether it's to another person or to your fucking self. Right. So you're gonna bottle up all your frustrations all day long until you can find a way to let that out. 
And now if you don't have that other person to let that out with, you're going to rely on that alcohol to bring out that fifth person, which is yourself of I'm going to let out all my frustration to myself because I'm hammered mm. and I don't give a shit about anything. Let me push back. Kind of, kind of push back. Double I don't disagree go. with what you're ta- saying, but I don't think that's necessarily the case so that you could be a per that. I think that if you have, let me clarify Frankel would say that if you have sufficient meaning, then the alcohol wouldn't need to be there to produce that effect. Mm-hmm. That instead, mm-hmm. there would be something more functional that replaces that. That there is a purpose that exists that is more, that is so, how would you say? You're so focused on that purpose that the things that would otherwise bother you because they don't affect your aim are just like, oh, who gives a fuck? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I don't know if you, like, if you're playing a game of basketball and you're fucking competitive, it's game time, baby. Like, you are trying to win this fucking game. And if your girlfriend trips on the sideline, like, you might giggle, but who gives a fuck? Like, <laughs> I'm not gonna, like, run to her and pick her up and be like, are you okay, baby? Let me scrape off your fucking knees. Like, you're gonna be all right. Like, there's a game, motherfucker. Like, like there's shit to do. <laughs> I have other more important things to fucking to worry about right now. I'm gonna make this fucking basket and I'm gonna keep playing. That what happens in life is that you have a goal that you're trying to make, and that what that enables you to do is that the things that might bother you otherwise that aren't in direct conflict immediately go to the sideline. Hmm. They're immediately on the sideline because you it just doesn't fucking matter. Like, if I got better shit to do, who cares? <laughs> so, to but, tie back but, to what but, you were but, saying but, about that. drinking is that, that the drinking would go to the sideline because I don't need this alcohol to help me out because well, I am going after this fucking thing. It's and a, that's what matters, and the alcohol might inhibit me from achieving my goal. Oh, there you go. Well, it really just it depends on the person. Uh, one person say, I don't need the alcohol, and the other person who's dependent on it needs it well what i would say is it depends on that what that per it's not that the person is dependent it's what it is that makes them dependent this 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 is the shitty thing about mental illness addiction and dependency is you can't class it all into one group yeah and say this group has this because this group has has that it is you could look at somebody and not know a single fucking thing about them. And you can you can also take two identical people with two identical mental illnesses or dependencies, but two completely different um, effects of that uh, right, it can problem. Emerge in a different but way. Like, like me, high anxiety. My symptoms are not the same as another person with high anxiety. Everything is so person-based. So like you, it's hard to talk and classify and put meaning to something that mm-hmm. isn't okay. structurally sound Let throughout me, all of society. So I'll have, to, I'll have to clarify this because you're, you're thinking of a meaning, not meanings. Mm-hmm. So it isn't that there is a meaning to life 
that you pursue and that solves all the problems, right? Mm -hmm. It's not a blanket solving of all issues for all individuals, okay? It's a, there are meanings and that those meanings differ per person. So if meanings are, and this is what Frankel would say too, he's on the same, this is from him, that those meanings produce benefits for each individual regardless of the situation but it's not that there's a single meaning that's right. the right way to live that that's how you have to do it and that that's it right. and that that'll solve all problems it's much it's way more complex than oh that. absolutely so well, that, all i would say because you can give one person advice and it's going to fix all of that shit and you give somebody else that same advice and it's, it's not going to do a goddamn no, thing because no. their life is different yeah, <laughs> they're, they're different fucking people i think that's it's where this so... all gets i think that's a really good driving point because that's what i was getting at with the, the looking at it as like a medicine where you pop a pill and everything goes away looking at it as a disease that's why these issues, I think, are getting more attention from the scientific community now, because people are realizing, wait, it's not as you know simple. It's not simplistic anymore. You can't like the shit we've been doing with SSRIs and shit like that don't work, you know. And it's never been simple. It's just there's never been this much media attention on when it goes well, fucking south. It's also because. <laughs> like, Go ahead, go ahead. I was gonna say because addiction has been classified a disease since the fifties. Right, but so it's, it's wrong. It's just it, it, it didn't have like you couldn't. We didn't go, go home in the fifties. We flip on your fucking TV or look at your phone and see seventy cases of somebody overdosing. Right. So how can you say, look, the pills are an issue. It's causing addictions because you're not getting that source of information fed to you constantly. Mm. It's strange. It's, it's a hard. This is a. I mean, addiction is an ungodly complex problem. Right. I mean, that's in the part, part because <laughs> because especially from my perspective is that addiction is almost always self medication. Mm-hmm. That yeah. there's a psychological issue that under and I don't mean issue isn't quite the right word. It's a psychological. Yeah, you gotta not, be careful. It's something <laughs> that exists beneath the level. Of just the addiction. It's right. such a and great whatever, you know, really So whatever that so thing is, is the thing that is producing the addiction. But that thing can be <clears throat> as different, it can be as numerous as the number of people that exist. Right. So I think what people, I mean, I don't know for sure. So you can correct me if I'm wrong. Hey, we're just, we're just people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just people <laughs> trying to talk through complex right. issues right now. Just so, don't worry about whether or not. And none of us have psych degrees, so right. yeah, but not yet. We're not. Well, here's the thing. He could say not yet, but my statement is still one hundred percent right. Correct. None of us have psych degrees, but one is in rope. Pretty close. <laughs> they all know more than regardless. <laughs> um. So, from my knowledge, at least, I don't know if, at least, I don't think it should be considered a disease of something that isn't life-threatening. And I was saying this earlier, and I didn't want to get into it too much, but um, earlier today when it's I was a, like, which is safe for the podcast. It's a, good way, it's a good point to wrap it up. Yeah. Um, I didn't think that unless it's life-threatening to a person, should it be considered a disease. So, something as... Smoking cigarettes, not a disease. Addiction to cigarettes is not a disease because if you cold turkey quit cigarettes, you're not dependent 
you know, that it can cause disease. life support. But it can cause disease. Yeah. So it's an inhibitor, but it's not a disease itself. Yes. So the addiction to the cigarette is not a disease. That's but a really good point. <laughs> something like alcohol, which I, um, I guess if you have a super. Yeah, if you're an alcoholic, alcoholic, if you like a to real extreme, alcoholic, it yeah. can, if you get off alcohol, it'll fucking kill you. Yeah. Or again, heroin or meth, something like that, where if you just deprive the person of it, they will not be able to sustain life anymore at that point is when i say yes that is a disease the choice to take said drug no it's not i don't think the no. choice to begin addiction i guess is what you would word that as the road to addiction right right it's, it's not a disease but the the getting out of it is when it becomes a disease if that makes sense yeah, yeah. and that's how when you're, when you're at the point where it's going to kill you if you get off then you're in a fucking disease territory. right which i have seen that in case of cigarettes so when you smoke for 40 years of their life they get off of it all of a sudden their body is like where's the fucking cigarettes yeah <laughs> and everything just chooses to shut down because what you have trained your body on being used to you now just mm -hmm. took that away and your body is freaking out. Now, for me, you know, I smoke cigarettes, but I've only been doing it for a few years. So if I quit now, my body's gonna be like, thank you. <laughs> Not at first though. But now, <laughs> but now if you know, 20 years down the road, I'm still smoking every day like I do, and then I quit cold turkey, my body's gonna be like, hey man, um, let's not do it this way, please. <laughs> like, can you at least just have like at least one or two right now? We'll, we'll work our way there what the fuck like it's that's the you're not wrong because that's also as you said it's kind of more your opinion of how you're going to see what a disease is of to where mm -hmm. I, I can agree with that to where no smoking cigarettes isn't a disease me being addicted to cigarettes isn't a disease it's just nicotine is that uh, chemical that makes you addicted. Yep. Right. That's that's not a disease. I'm addicted to nicotine. It's like, right. wow, yeah, a lot of people are. It's not a disease. <laughs> so there's two I, definitions I, here. Yeah, I, like... I, I can I see exactly where you're coming from, and, and you're absolutely right on the fact that me being addicted to cigarettes, no, that's not a disease. No, if I stopped and I got lung cancer, that's a disease. That's cold. Right. 100% fact, like, yeah, you have... A disease. So there's there's three things at play there. One is the first was your initial objection, which is whether or not cigarettes are a thing that when you get off of, they can potentially be life threatening. And if that's the case, if yes, then you're you and you are still on the same page. Yeah. Then your definition of disease is still the same. It doesn't change anything. It's just what is included in the definition yeah. of disease. It's just the the, cla the classification. The, the other thing, the, the initial of me starting smoking. It's that there's like two That's definitions. There's addiction, which is where you are having a real motherfucker of a time trying to get off of this shit. And then there's addiction disease, which is... Withdrawals. Which is you're going to get off of this. You're addicted. Not only can you are you going to have a motherfucker of a time to get off of it, when you get off of it, you're going to die. You're, yeah. you're gonna go. Your body's gonna your be it's like when you, it's like when you get off of this, you're make sure you do it dependent. with you know supervision from a medical staff. Like you better be around it. They will help you out because if you do it at home, you're dead. Right. <laughs> so there's two types. Or you're of just addiction. gonna instantly go right back to all right, all right. So there's two types of addiction. One is addiction. You have a hard time getting off of it. It's no joke. 
Nicotine. And then there's addiction disease, which is if you try to get off of it, you're going to fucking die. And the, that... Bring it home, Joe. What Bring it home. that includes is something like alcohol, heroin, potentially smoking cigarettes, whatever it is. And then that's it, the, the difficulty of getting off of that and the potential repercussions repercussions physiologically are what define that thing. That's what addiction is. All revolving around an existential vacuum in order to treat an underlying disease that is that is something like purpose or meaning. I think that was pretty good. I don't consider that last part a disease. Ooh. Wait, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, continue. So the only reason is because okay, so is depression a disease? Part two. Is depression a disease? I mean, it can kill you. Uh, but that that mental okay, illness. but a bullet isn't a disease. I don't but, think it's an illness. Yeah, though. that's good. Yeah. Okay, so Me- mental <laughs> depression, depression, anxiety is mental illness. It's not a disease. Yes, but it's a disorder. Can kill you. It is a disorder. Oh, right. So, depression ooh, and illness. That's my point. Depression and anxiety is a mental disorder. It's something, it's a chemical imbalance in your brain that is telling it you are not 100%. That's actually incorrect. So, yeah, it's not actually, yeah, he's actually right. Okay, the chemical thing is not true. So the the serotonergic system that most um, big pharma tries to correct with antidepressant medication is, is an incorrect, and at the time when it was purported as the actual facts, it was not believed by the scientific community, but the marketing of those drugs Used it as such. Right. Can you tell me so, something that one Wait. What? Yeah, I'm confused too. <laughs> okay, hold on. Let me clarify. So, <laughs> you clarify it's, it's um. No, so, I just have one question. What's up? It's not a chemical imbalance in my brain. Then, what is causing me to be depressed and anxious all the time? I, I want. I want my answer because let me. I would love to know my answer. Let me. Take the long round around because I got to hit a few points yeah, here. There's a lot to build up on this. Like, like, well, in that case, then. Oh, what a bear. <laughs> <laughs> ben, ben snuggled up. Ah. <laughs> so, so what Wenzel, the point Wenzel was getting to was that the idea of a chemical imbalance being the initial cause of depression is incorrect or whatever disease. Oh, and that the reason for that is because... That was more marketable for pharmacists, right? So, So, hey, this is my pill that corrects that chemical imbalance. Right, so if you have a chemical imbalance, then we can give you the thing that balances balances it, and now we can sell that fucking thing to you. Okay, so that created the idea of a chemical imbalance. Okay, so... The real so maybe that's true. Maybe there is a chemical imbalance. Okay. I'm not so saying here's don't the, help either. Here's the criticism that comes otherwise, is that is that what comes first? Is it the chemicals being imbalanced, or is it the behaviors that produce the chemicals that yes. create that imbalance? Because yeah. not only yeah. is it that let's say you're in a situation that is highly stressful, is it that you have a chemical imbalance? that makes you stressed or is it the external situation that creates the mental capacity to produce that mental imbalance? 
Now Joe's telling me it's my fault. <laughs> I might be telling you that it's your environment's fault. It's <laughs> gonna so be like, wow, you sound just well, like my father. <laughs> so but this is where the that's where the, the, the trial falls off the rails because this is what, <laughs> because people it 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 sounds like it's too good to be true. Well, to some degree. So this must be inconclusive. It, there's no it's correct answer. In yet. contention, I yes. wouldn't say it's inconclusive. It's inconclusive. I would say that it. De- in part, it depends on the person that you're dealing with because there's definitely a physiological aspect that produces yeah. some depression yes. because there's some that are very clearly hereditary. Isn't there one too for like post-pregnancy s- depression? Postpartum depression. Yes. There's a lot of like... That's really well documented. But sorry, so that's why I brought it up. Because there's so, a lot of like so significant a life like changes yeah. that cause some sort of anxiety or depression. Right. right. That's, that's, like, why, that's why I brought moving, it up. Moving. People will move. And for like a year after they move, they'll be depressed. Hey, he says, <laughs> he says coming from St. Louis. <laughs> the guy who moves to Especially, who the fuck moves to Missouri? Uh, actually, really, what the fuck? <laughs> but, um, excuse me, my food tax rate went from 10% to 5 My state tax, I went from paying $75 per on every bill to only... Thirty dollars. I'm moving to St. Louis. <laughs> fuck this. <laughs> Tonight, George, George, it's not just Missouri. It's just get the fuck out of Illinois. California. They tax every dollar. Yeah. Don't do either. It's not much better. Oh, uh, you're thinking right now? Let me tax you on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, George. But derailed <laughs> a little bit. Is that that also the so the environment can produce that same levels of anxiety. So what it ends up coming to is wondering whether or not it's a hereditary or hormonal issue that then produces the anxiety, depression, whatever, right? Bipolar, give me that too. Yes. Or is it that you're in a environment that's producing that response? Because it might be even a a genuine, real understandable response. So if you're in boot camp and you're fucking stressed out beyond the levels of what's considered normal, yeah, that's not surprising. Right. That's yeah. not even unrealistic. That's what's to be expected. That's I mean they're trying to normal. cause some that's sort of the break. point. That's yeah. the whole fucking point. It's like so inoculation by your environment can absolutely produce levels of anxiety or mental disorder generally that are an adaptive response to the environment. I think that's what PTSD is too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is that PTSD isn't that it's a brain. you're acting crazy when you're over there. It's that you're acting in accordance with the environment. It's that when you come back and, and you continue to act like it's a war zone, mm-hmm. that now you have PTSD. Right. I feel like I feel like that's almost semantics. I feel like that whole debate is semantics. What do you mean well, it's important point? for how you treat it. Yes, that's the issue. Right. But if someone is, say, okay, so say how some people are saying you just have this imbalance, right? Like you just, whether it's It's biological, right, whatever. Or if it's like life, um, an event change. And now you have that imbalance, I guess is my understanding of what you're trying to say. Either way, way. something is off. So So my point is where semantics is like, does the treatment of it differ? What? Well, yeah, yeah it does. because instead of taking some sort of drug that you 
is supposed to make you feel normal. It's you changing things about how your life is. Is no. What I'm saying what is, are they saying that there isn't an imbalance? So well, say, say, okay, I, it's, say not, it's not to say that there's not an imbalance. It's saying that the effect that these chemicals, like these neurotransmitters, do is marginal at best. Like they do have some effect, but it's not enough to elicit a change to be quote unquote normal. Okay. It's even more complicated. Yeah, but I don't want to find it for sake of. So what? What? I'm not a doctor, but that's that's just what, what the research what, says. What I kind of want to. Yeah, I have the book, so you can read it. It's really good. What, what I kind of want to run through here, and it's not to to mean any of you guys in the sense of everything that you have researched, everything you've read. That's amazing. I love that you're taking interest in because the mind and the psyche is such a mind fuck of a interesting <laughs> subject but because i i want to kind of get into this conversation of we can take this offline if it's going to tangent us further <laughs> it, of, of I, don't not, I just don't know how big the file i can make the on there we're only an hour and 15 yeah, i know i just don't know how long i can go all right whatever yeah we'll figure it out not as somebody who's read about it in a book but as somebody who deals with it every single day, right? my anxiety stemmed a long time ago. Right. And to where I will say that realistically, there is different types of anxiety. And sometimes I actually get frustrated with people who's like, I have really bad anxiety. It's like, well, what do you get Like, what do you get anxious about? Well, you know, I have a speech I have to give in a couple minutes. I'm really anxious about it. Right. My anxiety is through the roof. It's like, Yes, that is that is anxiety. It is anxious. But like when I'm talking about anxiety, it isn't the, hey, I'm nervous about the speech that I have to give or, hey, I'm nervous about this move. My anxiety more stems from the, uh, hey, man, what, what, what are you doing with your life? Are you sure you're happy with the job that you're working? Are you sure you're happy with you know, your move to St. Louis. Are you sure that you're making your family proud? Are you sure that you're mm -hmm. making your friends proud? Are you sure that everything you're doing is for everyone else and is in a good state of mind for everyone else? That is the anxiety right. that I fear is the chemical imbalance in your head because it is telling you, mm -hmm. don't worry necessarily about just yourself. Worry about are you making everyone else around you proud for your future? Because some, you know, my time tattoo is depression. You're worried about your past anxiety. Mm -hmm. You're worried about your future. Yeah. So these different levels of anxiety of, hey, man, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm nervous about this thing coming up in a few minutes. Once it's done, I'll be fine though. Cause it's, right. you know, it's over with me. I'm sitting here every day. I don't think I'm making progress towards my future. I don't think I'm going to be okay. I don't mm -hmm. know if I'm going to be happy. I don't know if my family is going to be happy. It's for the most part, my anxiety isn't even about me per it's about se. It's, 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 more, it's, it's more about, it's Hey man, I know that Jordan, when I leave here, he'll be like, love you, man. Miss you. Hope to see you again soon. But in my head, I'll be like, does he really though? Have I done enough to make sure that he's actually telling me the truth on that? Same thing with Joe. Right. Hey, man. Love you. Hope to see you again soon. Like, thanks for coming down. Like, awesome surprise. Like, 
It's like, was it though? Am I doing enough in my life? And well, am I bettering my future in my life enough to where yeah. everyone that I'm comfortable with, do they actually love me and care about me? So, that is that level of anxiety right. that will right. Fall. There are differences in anxieties. Right. There's yeah. well, a difference like, between that's like world-ending anxiety. There's a yeah. difference between there's a difference or between it's between itself, rather. being anxious and having anxiety. Right. That's yeah. Nice. It's not that there matters of degrees to right. some right. Because it's a severe everybody episode. experiences anxiety. Mm. Everybody's anxious about shit. Like there's yeah. a good reason to be anxious about shit. Yes. But anxiety in a disorder sense is a that feeling doesn't turn off. Right? Yeah. It's just that <laughs> that circuitry is stuck in a loop and it never you're just going around and around and around. Yeah. And you're in the same fucking game so, every day in and day out. My thing on how you described it. That's a very good description, by the way. No, yeah. it was. That, very that like really puts it in perspective. So it's not in a disagreement, but like with people I've I've been close with who have had like severe anxiety or however you want to put it. Mm -hmm. I've tried to um, narrow it down, almost using the same example you use. So it's like, all right, I have to give a speech. I'm really fucking freaked out about this, right? Yeah. Everyone gets freaked out about speeches. Very few people are very comfortable. Like, I feel like even Barack Obama or Donald, any person who well, yeah. gives always speeches. Gives speeches. Because there's always that fear of like, oh, I just yeah. actually pronounced it's that just, word wrong. Yeah. It's, like, it's like the same thing as it's like performing anxiety. Yeah. Boom. I literally was just going to say that. He <laughs> <laughs> like, said per and was yeah. already performance. Yeah, yeah. so Ooh. it's that same thing. Like someone can perform for their entire life and do it every single day and they still get a little like butterfly. Yeah. Okay, that happens, right? So the way I look at like when it's further than that or when it's more of an issue when it's like, all right, so I need to be successful. I need to, whatever it may be, because yeah. people are anxious about different things when it comes to severe anxiety. So yeah. Whatever it is, let's just say I need to be successful, right? Mm -hmm. To me, it's the same thing, but multiply that by 100. Right, right? yeah. So if you take it, it to me, it turns into taking it not in its entirety. And obviously, this is coming from speaking, um, like, easier said than done. Yeah. <laughs> obviously, because it's not just like, hey, dude. That's the bad thing about mental illnesses. You know, like a, a lot of people's perspective is always just like, well, hey, man, you don't have, have it that bad. Or, hey, man, like, well, you can always okay. look at well, a situation from the outside yeah. and say, hey, man, this is an easy way to fix it. No, yeah. Right. So, so let me, go ahead. I was going to say, so let me, the point I was trying to make is that it's not that it's, I mean, there are people who look at it from the outside and they say, like, dude, you need to chill. It's not that bad. And that's the, not the right way to look at it. But that is the disastrous way to look at it. Right. But the sense of it's like, look, well, just um, compartmentalize. Is that mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, kind of. And like, put the, like, there are ways I have, I that I feel know. like, so anxiety is something I've spoken on a lot about and I've recently shut up because there have been people who have been like, yo, you're being too insensitive. And then I tried to kind of reflect on it. So what I realized is that it's, it is obviously an issue and it's not, it's like, it's a real thing. Right. Yeah. And what people need to, what I feel, what I used to say is that people needed to do was to figure out a way to deal with it in a sense where it's like, you understand that you have 
the anxiety, correct? Mm -hmm. So yes. you know that it's there. So it's not <laughs> like a surprise. The fact that you can or even articulate these is really interesting because many people I've talked to have no way of being able to articulate it. Well, just, I could, just as a, I could describe my anxiety. Like, I, no, no, I just, like I've being able to describe it in a way that makes sense <laughs> to other people because yeah, it's it's the irrational fear of so so. <clears throat> I appreciate you for like that understanding of I actually don't encounter it, so I can't really speak upon it. Completely different subjects here, and uh, you know. Being mindful of it, though, is very important. I think that's Ra racism. Well, racism. I don't deal with it every day. Mm. And I can't look at you and say, hey, man, deal out this way. <laughs> You're going to look at me like, you don't fucking know what it's like. Right. You can't fucking tell me exactly how it is and how I'm feeling when this happens. Just like when I have my severe anxiety attacks of I am literally fearing for my future, you don't have that same understanding or you don't. Your brain is better at understanding, like, hey, man, you failed. It's okay. Pick yourself up. We have plenty more opportunities to correct this. Well, well it's like a spiraling. Uh, my, well, my, I, the way I would describe what it. What my brain does is, dude, you just fucked up. Well, you are going to continually, you are going to continue to fuck up. You are going to fuck up again and again and again. And because you fucked up today, this person over here, done. Like, right. like. I fear, I fear for every relationship that I ever have. My friendships. I just moved to St. Louis. Half the people that I used to talk to every day don't even say what's up anymore. Now, on some days I'm a rational thinker. Um, <laughs> one of my really good friends who I used to talk to every day and worked with, she is currently pregnant right now and also planning her wedding. So when I message her and talk to her and she doesn't respond to me, my rational thinking days, yeah, she is fucking slammed right now. She's right. pregnant and emotional. She's planning a wedding. She's got a million other things right. to fucking think about Absolutely. than just saying, hey, what's up, man? How are you doing? My, I'm freaking the fuck out for my future and everything that I've ever built for days is she fucking hates me. She doesn't want to talk to me anymore. She doesn't want to be my friend. She's ignoring me because, you know, because she, she, she was only my she was only my friend because it was convenient and I was there every day. Mm -hmm. She had to see me every day, so she's my friend. And now that I'm gone, she doesn't have to be my friend anymore. Fuck him. Finally, losers fucking gone. That's the anxiety days. Right. And you take that into pretty much every situation that I've ever been in. My super anxiety days, that's how I always feel. It's basically your, your thoughts are your own traitor. And then what what happens is that is that they they yeah. they feed themselves. They turn against you. They turn against you and they feed themselves into a position that is inescapable. It's just a spiraling downward into something that it, ha it creates its own gravity, basically, is the best way I can explain it. And 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 the, the reason like when when I said that like the drugs don't really help, quote unquote. That's why when they when that they when people say that and they get some sort of benefit from it, it drives a really negative reaction because they think all of a sudden, why the fuck am I taking this thing then? Well, the thing is, you're my God, ahead, the thing is, you're and I kind of lost the point <laughs> I was trying to say, but where you Sorry. say the drugs don't help, they I'm mean, not saying they, they don't, do some people they do something, but no, they don't. It's not even it's not even that. It's that the people who 
there's people who believe it helps. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's why I'm saying it causes a very negative reaction in that sense. Right. But, but the placebo effect is really well done. Yeah. But that's a, that's from a rational thought. So right. you have to think of in it. And this was kind of the point I was trying to get out to people who say it's not a disease. And like, oh, it's a choice. I know it's a dumb choice. Duh. We know it's a dumb choice. But any rational thinker. And like, if you go to things how like, if you try to make the, I mean, this is a little further, but if you try to make the like the, um, the psychotic argument of someone's like, this person has been crazy. Like when someone commits a crime, like a heinous crime, and they try to make the um, psychotic defense. Yeah, yeah, like, oh, yeah. they're insane. You have to prove that they're insane, that they don't think rationally. So in yeah, an irrational sense, someone will say like, okay, I know, I know that this isn't real, but or I know that this won't help. But with everything I'm going through, this is the best option. Right. Well, to go back like to what I was saying before, to put, to put Ben's example, which is obviously really close to a lot of people because he's not the only one. Nope. And the reason I've, like, I've been pushing the idea of tribe so much, what is his main, his anxiety? Is, is, is it's his view to people around him. It's the, it's the expectation he puts on himself from the people around him. And that's why I push the idea of tribe because if people go out and just check up on Ben every so often, that's going to alleviate, even if it's just like 1% of his anxiety, I'm just putting a number on it. Yeah. That's going to make his day so much easier because he's not going to be thinking in the back of his head where his brain's going crazy and being like, what, am I doing everything right? right. Am, I, am I, like, his own self-expectation. And now it's not like I have to be babysat here. No, 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 like, I'm not saying that. You guys don't have to check in every 30 minutes. I'm like, just giving an example. You're doing good, buddy. <laughs> no, but it's... It's like, like maybe once a month or something. You just yeah, it's still that occasional, like, hey, man, I hope you're doing good, like... Right. See, my thing on the flip side of that is maybe that was detrimental to her point. To the sense, they, maybe they you need, could be maybe as, some people, maybe uh, people are different, right? Well, it depends yeah, how close obviously. you are to the person, I think, too. Right. If you're right. looking but, like you're looking down on the person and you're well, like, that, that, I think I know exactly where Jordan's going to go at this, so I want yeah, to say this. People are different, so some people do kind of want that, you can call it reassurance, whatever, well, yeah. where it's like someone's like, hey, how are you doing? Whatever. But some people also um, are to the point where they don't need or they feel that they don't need the oh. acceptance or reassurance of others where they're like, I'm just going to do what I'm going to do for myself. Right. You know what I mean? I, and, I, and that's where I was getting to kind of before when I was like, maybe the expansion of the community yeah. is that it's infancy because people are realizing that it's like, does it really matter if the five people I'm closest to agree with what I'm doing? No. As long as I'm okay with it within myself. So I, I think like, it's, I think there's like a scale to ooh. this and it depends on the person. So like, some of the examples from the book I read, Lost Connections, is they would they put people on programs within the community. Like for the one example they did is they they gave them a project to go restore a park. So they gave them basically an empty lot, and they had like five people they never met before, and then they had them rest restore it to it gave end. them a meaning, right, a purpose. And I'm not, and I'm not I'm not saying that everyone should go find a community job like that and go help restore a park. Because so someone else might try that who's got depression anxiety and it won't fucking work but what i'm saying is that if you give someone a way out from whatever they're like a way out of their own head which is a really bad way of saying because it oversimplifies it but a way out of i don't want to be insensitive but basically that's what i'm saying is like you have to find a way to connect yourself to the outside world in some way and it could be the gym like you were saying before or it could be so so i kind of want to touch on what what jordan had also just said though about you know, the community in its infancy and people won't agree with it. Or the, the, so what if the five people around me don't agree with me? Yeah. 
assume that we have to agree with you. You do what makes you happy, even if I don't agree with it, being one of a very close person to you, I think what the more important thing is, is regardless of if I agree with you or not, I have your back. I think that's what's important for the community and the tribe thing of, you're going a different way than I would choose myself, but I care about you. And you support I have your back, right. no matter the situation. And it, where I thought you were actually gonna go with it before, of where Wenzel was like, just check up on him. And how you said people were different, but you actually didn't go where I thought you were going. <laughs> Some people may think the, hey, they're checking up on me. They hope I'm doing good, awesome. Other people might be like, they're continuously checking up on me. They're probably thinking that I'm fucking up and they're just making sure that I'm on my right path. So it could throw that person through that same loop of, am I doing good enough because they're constantly checking up on me. There is no that, one solution. Yeah, that, no, that, that's that's what I'm saying. This is more complex, complex and you right. need, yeah. and there's there's so many, if, like the brain obviously is the most complex thing ever. Yeah. And so to, to, to say there's a one size fits all is incorrect Absolutely. beyond belief. Absolutely. And what I'm just saying is trying to bring as many tools to the table that can have any sort of positive benefit. And I'm not going to go into now because I'll just generate a whole other podcast. <laughs> but I'm just going to say that the research into psychedelics right now, right now are... Yeah, that is another podcast. So right, that's why I'm just, just going to say it and leave it on the table because it's it's. Really Are you going to leave all of the psychedelics on the table, or uh, there's a slight get enough for the rest of us? Hold <laughs> <laughs> it out on his own. Like, like, let's make this a real good podcast. Let's go, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but no, there's there's a lot of research showing, um, like what kind of Joe was saying, where like certain stressors, like say it's say it's like early childhood or something, and it gets buried, and it becomes a trigger of how you interact with the world subconsciously can then be kind of may possibly repaired or like being able to analyze when you take a psychedelic trip, you're able to kind of reconcile those things for the first time and give yourself a fresh start. Um, so, so basically what, so basically what it'd be like is if you, if your brain, as you get older, your brain is like, you get, you get like snow tracks, right? And when you take a psychedelic, it's like you lay fresh powder over your entire neurological landscape, and you can, and you can, yeah, and you can just restart. It's a, it's a refresh, a reboot for your system, basically. It's like you look at yourself uh, through new eyes. Objectively. Yeah. Subjectively. Well, it's it's dissolving the ego. Whatever. Subjectively. It's, it's just, it's a subject. subject. No, it's not subjective. Objective. It's subjective. The object. You are the college man. I'm pretty sure it's objectively. So we're probably going to be part two with this one because we had a lot to talk about. Yeah, this is. I feel like we're not even close. Not even close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're really and so there's a lot of good books. There's probably one right here on the table right now that was covering this, but we'll have to think more. Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> that That's not the book. What I want to get out, what I yeah, want to say, get say out your point, your point. is that how you brought up the community. Yes. Um, the You said that brought five random people together to build a park. Yeah, the garden. Yeah. To me, what I get from that is that the community, the tribe is arbitrary. Right. Right. Well, and some to some degree, but they like these people became friends. Like at first, they seemed like they didn't have any sort For of goal. They well, at first they some felt like they were strangers mm. to each other, right? But then they get as they work together, they get to know each other. The and they, goal defines the tribe, and the tribe 
finds each other. something like the individual purpose. It's yeah. like there's a through line. Yeah. But basically what wound up happening is the person that they were following in the story, she was able to, she, she was able to use that, that building of the park to then set herself straight in a sense. And then she was able to move away, get an apartment and she got married by the end within like two years of having this all like transpire and was able to like, it was just enough to get, get her bearings basically. And then at that point she was able to blossom. Like, re, like, re like, yeah. I mean, to, if you want to go poetic, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they did say that they kept in touch the people, the, a few of them. Yeah. They actually like went to the wedding and stuff yeah. like that. Okay. Like they okay. were able to make lasting relationships. Like, and I think this is a good point to just segue into. Uh, we have so much more to say. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I think you should let Ben just close out. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, let Ben close I, out. I would like I think to say it's a, pretty, a closing statement here. Tried to close out half an hour ago. <laughs> As this is a podcast about mental illness and addiction, coming from somebody who has mental illness and used to have a Xanax addiction, please, if you ever feel like you need help for, for anybody listening, please reach out to your friends, to your family, to anybody and to anybody who notices that somebody may need help. Speak up because no life is worth being cut short for something so simple as a conversation. So on that note, with this mental illness and addiction <laughs> podcast. Again, please just look after each other. Keep everyone happy and these things are solvable. If you need help, please get it. Love you. You just listened to an episode of Feeding Curiosity. Thank you all for listening and tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a like, subscribe, go check out the website over at feedingcuriosity.net and all the other things that we're doing there. And once again, thank you all for tuning in and we will see you in the next episode.